Artism Podcast, where we explore creativity, inspiration, and the determination it takes to be an artisan. This podcast is for artisans, by artisans. I'm your host, Kathy Duraghi, and I'm thrilled to introduce you to our next guest. Thank you for joining this episode of the Artisan Podcast. I'm thrilled to welcome Joe Campos to the call here. Joe and I know each other, gosh, I I don't even want to date myself as to how many years it's been, Uh, but currently Joe is the president and the new owner of McHale Design, so I'm very, very excited to welcome him here and have him talk about creativity and what has brought him to this point in his career. Welcome, Joe. Good to see you. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Um, yeah, it's great. I mean, I've known you so long. It's like we go way back since the late yeah. 90s. That's all we'll say, late 90s. Yeah, I was thinking about it. It was actually 1999. Yes, <laughs> right. It's been a long time. Yes, yes. Very uh, prince of us. I think that's <laughs> Oh. Prince, Prince, I like that. Yeah, so we when I first met you, you we met, and I don't think most people know this, that artisan um we've we've had another business called Hyperworks, uh, which is in the comic book uh, realm. So when we first met, it was when I started working at Hyperworks and you were you started working at Hyperworks as mm-hmm. an artist, and I was yeah. uh, I was the HR slash packaging UPS person. At the time, yes, I was going to Otis College of Art and Design mm-hmm. in LA. I was a, I guess I was a junior. I just during my junior year, I interviewed. Um, I saw the ad up, and I think I saw it on on um, Craigslist. Funny enough, I believe, and I went in and I met the team and. They liked me, and I was like, oh, like, and I've always been a huge comic book fan since I could remember. I was like eight years, seven years, eight years old, and was just excited that I, whoa, I get to work, and I get paid. <laughs> so was, you get to draw, and you get paid, yeah. yeah and, and it was a couple miles from Otis, so it was great, you know, it was like, uh, I got to make money, and uh, after hours, do my homework, and go back to school, so yeah, it was definitely a fun time. Simpler times. <laughs> Simpler times, yeah, I'm sure. Um, I'd love for you to share you know, your career trajectory. You know, we obviously we met at Hyperworks, and here you are now, mm-hmm. the new owner of McHale Design. Uh, would love to just kind of have you share what happened to you after you left Hyperworks, where your career has taken you, and what has brought you to this um, new sure, sure. entrepreneurship. Well, yeah, I mean, I've always been a creative. So I was little, luckily, I was blessed with very supportive parents as far as being a creative. I mean, my original, like, I, my dream was to be a Disney animator. I think I told you that. And that's what I really wanted to do. I always loved animation. And then I took a, a high school summer of art at CalArts um, that my high school paid for because I did some murals and they paid me, they paid the tuition for me to go. And I was, and I was really excited. And I think it was for a month. You lived on campus at CalArts and um, in Valencia or Santa Clarita, you wonder where we're going to call it nowadays. Um, and then I realized how hard animation was, like how, I was like, wow. And this was right before the summer, right before I started Otis. So I was like, 
do I really want to do animation? And, and I already accepted going to Otis. So I went to Otis and I started doing foundation year, which is you learn a little bit of everything. So I wasn't quite sure. I really wanted to be an illustrator and I had no experience on the computer. I had never used Photoshop or anything. This is 1996. So yeah. <laughs> it's a long time ago. Um, and then, uh, after foundation year, we I started learning the computer and I fell in love with Photoshop and the, the fact that you can undo, you can try things and then undo it, like, and try it again and then print it out and then test color. It was mind blowing to me. I'd never done this before. And so that kind of changed my trajectory and I started becoming more of a graphic designer, illustrator, and I started going into that realm and afterward. And then I met, I had a few small, like, Back in the 90s, you know, I'm sure you remember the rave flyers. I did a lot of rave flyers, stuff like that for um, <laughs> house parties and things like that. So that was fun for a while. And then I met you guys and and I started working in comics. And I was just like, uh, because I had already had a little bit of experience in Photoshop, which co comic coloring was done in Photoshop. So, and I just, I fell in love with it. And then and working as a team and collaborating and then going to Comic-Con and oh, this is for me. So I worked with you guys for a couple of years after I graduated. And then um, I ended up going to a small creative agency doing, and I started doing like video game packaging for my, uh, the boutique pl place was in Westchester, LA. And they did a lot of the packaging for Activision, which did, you know, video game company, pretty close to Artisan where we used to be. Um, and I was like, wow, this is cool, like working on video games. Even though you're not physically working on the game, you're involved and like you're the way it's seen, you know, the way it's it's brought out to the world. So I really started liking that. And I was there for like probably two, three years. And then I got the opportunity to interview <clears throat> for Vivendi Games, um, which did Blizzard. They did all the Blizzard games, like World of Warcraft and stuff like that. And they hired me, and so I left a small place. It was kind of hard because I really liked working there, but I was like, it was time for me to move on. I had just gotten married, you know, I had a, my son was born, and I had to like step up and get, you know, like get like benefits and start thinking about my future. So I took that opportunity, and I was there mm -hmm. for three, probably like two years. And then um, Vivendi merged with Activision. Um, so it became, so actually, you know, Vivendi sold all their video game. Um, licenses to Activision. Activision and Blizzard merged, became Blizzard, Activision, Blizzard. And unfortunately, they closed the Vivendi Creative Services, so everybody kind of went their separate ways. And after that, I ended up kind of strangely doing freelance for Skechers, the toys in Manhattan, I mean, um, shoes in Manhattan Beach. Um, and then they hired me because they liked my work, and I was there for a couple of years. And then Fortunately, there was a recession happened, right? Like 2009, yes. 2010. So they had some layoffs. I got laid off, unfortunately, there. But blessing in disguise, I ended up working where I, company I just bought, Mikhail Design. I worked here for like a year as a freelancer. At the time, she couldn't, Maureen Mikhail, who started the company, could not hire me full time. But I got the opportunity to interview at Mattel got hired at Mattel and I was there for 10 years. And again, you know, pandemic happened. So from 2010 to 2020, I uh, was at Mattel and I learned so much. It was like, to be on the other side of it, from being obviously on the vendor side, um, 
being the kind of order taker, I guess I should say the service being the one that's giving the, the you know, working with marketing and on the other side of it, I learned so much about the inside business of the way toys are made and the whole industry. And I really liked it. And then um, I went from Hot Wheels to action figures. I worked on WWE. I worked on Batman. I worked on Man of Steel. I worked on so many cool brands there. It was, and I met so many great people. It was an awesome experience. Um, but then again, the it was a, there was layoffs and stuff like that. So back in, I thought it was been a year, like last June, I got, yeah, it was let go. And um, so I did freelance since, and I did some stuff for you as well, like a couple of projects for you. And um, I talked to Maureen McHale, see if she was from McHale Design and see if she was hiring or needed any help. She said, no, but I'm interested in selling my company. I'm thinking about retiring soon. And, and, and it's something I really want to do. And I was like, oh, that sounds super interesting that'd be cool to own a company and to like take it in after just learning so much and knowing the other side of the toy business i was like maybe i could really be a value had i not worked on mattel i probably wouldn't have done this i wouldn't have taken on this challenge because not you know obviously you don't have the relationships and know the, the industry knowledge that you have the you acquire with years of just being in that space um and also the way things work and um, the way to work with marketing and the way copywriters and engineers and we're going to China. That was a great experience too, doing that Hong Kong and China, learning, seeing the, the way things are actually manufactured and working with the team over there. But so I ended up, uh, we, we kind of negotiated for a few months and we ended up agreeing and, um, I took it over officially as of March 1st. So it's pretty, it's pretty recent. It's only been, oh, congratulations. Months. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I became the CEO, president, owner of McHale Design, and Maureen McHale started a little bit about McHale Design. If you have, um, it's been around since she started in 1985 out of her garage, out of her house. Started growing it, and she's done. And Maureen McHale's industry pro. She's done stuff for Barbie. She was one of the original uh, package designers for Ninja Turtles for Playmates back in the mm -hmm. 90s. So she has a ton of connections and experience. Yeah, I see one of them behind you there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Michelangelo. There he is. Michelangelo, yeah. yeah. This is our office back here. Office background. Uh, we're in uh, Long Beach, or Signal Hill, Long Beach area. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been here, and I've just been learning so much, and just being on the other side of it, obviously being a creative and being the owner and working with creatives, collaborating, and I always love collaboration. So that that's basically my creative journey. I mean, there's a lot more to it, but I don't want to go on forever, but <laughs> so you have more questions. No, I, I love it because um, a couple of things that I'm seeing, I'm sensing this theme that, uh, you know, there's been a few times where you haven't worked because of either downturn in the economy or a pandemic or, or something's happened a merger mm -hmm. um, however out of each of those there's been a silver lining for you or out of each of those you've actually grown to the next step in your career path yeah which is really inspiring uh, especially i think for a lot of the the artists out there who, are, who may be listening to this episode and many of them may have been impacted by the pandemic or have lost their, their jobs to be able to hear somebody else's story that they too have been impacted, but now they've 
they've made something of it. I, I think it's just very, very inspirational. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, that's why you kind of got to look at it. Like, um, had I stayed at Mattel, still been at Mattel, I probably wouldn't have taken the opportunity. I would have been, because, you know, you get comfortable, right, in a spot and, you know, you see everybody else getting laid off. You're hearing this pandemic. I probably would have been too caution or too much caution to to take make the move. But mm-hmm. sometimes in life, things happen for a reason. You know, it's like when yeah. one door closes, a window opens, as they say, right? Um, yeah. So I was blessed in, in my career that things have lined up sometimes, you know, it's kind of, sometimes you don't see it in the moment that it's, it's for the best, you know, but, um, but here I am. So, so don't, yeah, for those that have gone through this and know it's hard, but you just got to keep working on your skills and, and take this as a, as an opportunity. It's like not one of the things I like to say is, um, kind of um hold on one second i wrote it here um rather than think about what it what it should be focus on what it could be mm-hmm. how can you pivot reinvent yourself or rebrand yourself now that this downturn and see this downturn as an opportunity think about it like historically things have happened in, in you know our grandparents great-grandparents and you know, every, the world rebounded and it will happen again. So, so don't, yeah. yeah, it's all of how you look at things. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the resilience, I think there's a, there's a good message of resilience in there and also a good message of hope. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was writing my book, um, there was a time there because, you know, my book, I, I don't know if I told you that I wrote a book, but so yeah. my book, you know, has to do with, you know, the journey out of grief toward hope. And it was so easy uh, to be looking at everything that I had lost and that mind shift change of looking at everything that I had. It's, I think, parallels kind of what you're saying now is Mm -hmm. it's so easy to wallow in all that I no longer have. Um, Mm -hmm. But the hope in really taking in everything that I have is just Mm -hmm. so much more... um, for me anyway, so much more inspirational and kind of drives me to do more. And that that's the same story that I'm hearing and, and what you're sharing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and during the time when I was at Mattel, I learned just on my own out of curiosity, learning about business and how companies are built and, you know, public, you know, just learning finances and that whole part to potentially do this one. I was thinking about starting my own company or like doing my own business and, or, going off on my own, you know, it's a risk, of course, like anything, business is a risk, right? Without risk, there's no reward really. So it's, it's something that you have to think about. But I think people forget that being a freelancer is running a business. Yeah, that's true. You have to continually find more work. So you're biz dev, you have to do the work. So Mm -hmm. you are the creative team you have to invoice for it so that you are the accounting team (laughs) as a freelancer, you have to wear all of these different hats. So that that's actually great practice to picking up and owning. And that's one of the hardest things for me is like, I have to learn to be hands-off. Like I have a team, they're amazing creative. So if you can ever check out our site, mckilldesign.com, amazing work. And they have 35 years of amazing work. It's company has done. So that really excited me to, to take on this team that was already really good and seasoned 
to where can I take them and what kind of work can I bring in that can that they can just shine and just continue and grow and, and grow this business mm-hmm. um, instead of trying to do it all myself, which is kind of what you do when you're a freelancer, right? You have yeah. to, right? But it's also the other side where, you know, you're responsible for their payroll and, and their benefits and, and, you know, that part, like you have to keep business coming in, right? It's the other side of business. Um, but that's also the fun part too, when you see your team succeed and the company grow. I mean, that's, that's what I really want. Just in the first two months, I, I brought some new business in. So I um, just want to continue that and keep the upward momentum, you know, that's mm-hmm. take it, take it to the company to, to a whole, no, whole nother level, you know, that's, that's my Are you still hands-on in terms of being an artist yourself or no? Uh, not currently. Cause I, in the first few months, I mean, maybe I will be I mean, a little bit, um, but I just, I have to learn the business, the, the client relationships, um, learning the way we do payroll, learning the way we invoice, learning the way we bid, the, all that stuff is, I'm really focused on that, bringing you more work in and making connections and working on marketing. That's because that's what I really want to focus on marketing and make us more known um, social media, having a more a higher, better social media presence. Cause I think that's critical, especially nowadays where you're kind of out of sight, out of mind, right? So if you're not top of mind, people forget about, even if you're really good, if people, for, you know, if you're not out there being noticed, people forget about you and they move on to the next shiny thing sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. For sure. It's unfortunate, but it's the world we live in. You know, you just gotta yeah. go with it. You so, talked yeah. about, oh, sorry. So, so really quick. So, so no, I don't do much creative like that much currently, but maybe eventually I will. Sorry. I mean, but it sounds like from what you said, you have a credible team already who's producing it's really amazing work. Can you talk a little bit about culture? And now that you're in this position um, and you're thinking about growth, is what prompts is it culture or skills? Like which one is more important to you, both as a creative as well as as somebody who's now looking to lead this team in, into the that's next a, phase? That's a, good, that's a really good question. Um, I think. Ultimately, culture fit is probably more important because there's a lot of people that are really good artists, you know, really good designers, really good creatives, but they don't work well with others, mm-hmm. right? Or they have a hard time um, taking direction. It's not, you know, it's not their their hand doing it. They don't know how to give direction or take direction. Um, it's not a knock. I mean, some people just are lone wolves, and that's okay. I mean, there's the market for that too. But if you want to work at an agency like this one. If that's your goal, you have to be very collaborative. Um, you have to take direction. You have to have thick skin. And that's a good thing about like art school kind of prepares you for, right? Doing critiques, uh, putting up your work. And the internet kind of does that now. If you put up a design, you know, you'll get a million comments. There some of some of them are going to be really mean. <laughs> some of them are going to be really helpful. And some of them are going to be, they're going to love it. So um, you just have to have a thick skin and understand that it's not about you. It's about making the client happy meeting their need, their goals, whatever the, the brief is, meeting that. Um, so I think collaboration and being a good culture fit is critical because you can learn new skills and technology is always changing, but who you are as a person, that's what's going to take you to the next place, you know, because what's that famous saying by Maya, Maya Angelou, uh, people will, uh, they'll never, they'll, forget how what you said to them what you did to them but you'll never forget how you 
you made them feel. Yeah, yeah so exactly. If you're a jerk, people will remember you as a jerk. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> fun to work with, then they'll call you again, right? When there's an opportunity. Yeah. So you bring up a good point about feedback and criticism and being able to kind of separate the work that's for the client versus you know what what's in here and uh-huh. uh, you know, in one's heart. And I think sometimes it's difficult for creatives to be able to create that separation uh, because so much of their heart and soul goes into creating that piece. What kind of advice or experience shares can you give to creatives out there to be able to yeah. separate that? Yeah, I mean, and just from just going to art school, just putting, I remember just putting your stuff up on the wall or just biting your nails, like, well, what are they going to say or being judged? You know, it's like, and we all like, if you're in a, like it is in art school, when you go to art school, you're usually one of the better creatives in high school. Like, if you go from high school, to, you're one of the top dogs or whatever, and you move on. And, and then you realize, whoa, there's people way better than you out there. Humbling. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's very humbling. And you're like, whoa, like, and this teacher knows way more than you do. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this for 30, whatever, 20, 30 years. So you have to be able to take the direction, hear it, you know, hear what they're saying, parrot back what they're saying and try to meet the criteria, the project, the whatever it was, and take, kind of take your ego out of it. Because at the end of the day, it's like, it's not about you. If Even if it's not your favorite design, if it's successful and the, the, your client is making money and the, the brand is growing, they're going to call your company again to, for more work. So it's hard to like, if you want to be a commercial artist, if you want to be a fine artist, you can do whatever you want. You're, you know, you can have your own show and do your own collection and you know, you can do your own thing. But if you want to work as a commercial artist, it's a whole different game and it's not about your ego. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to learn that, you know, because I, I know I've been humbled plenty of times. So, but that's part of growth. Yeah. I remember you saying uh, that you get paid to solve problems. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's what you're a problem solver. You know, you're not an order taker. Like if, you know, you, like you work at McDonald's, whatever, that you take an order, you put it down. You, at the end of the day, you have to be a strategic and creative thinker. They're there to solve, make creative solutions, mm-hmm. not just make something look pretty. You know, if it's pretty and it doesn't sell, you didn't do your job, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, like, oh, look at this amazing rebrand, but everybody hates it or the, the public doesn't, it doesn't resonate. Then you did not fulfill what you're you got paid to do yeah you did not deliver yeah yeah exactly yeah what would you say are three lessons that you've learned along the way that you could share with our audience um Um, i think one of my friends is i mean i think lead by example and like talk about it don't talk about it be about it you know like really be the change that you want, you know, like don't blame your circumstance circumstances or what was me because that's negative energy and people, you know, people don't want to be around a pessimist, you know, it's just, it weighs on you, you know, unfortunately we, some of us have family that are that way, but they're your family. You can't just disappear, mm-hmm. but I think be positive and be easy to work with. I think that's one of them. I think, and also the hard part is to plan, you know, have a creative goal. Like what is your why? What is, what is that you want for your career? Right. I think having a roadmap is important, right. Thinking about tomorrow, but at the same time living for today, because tomorrow's not promised, right. Just because you 
you have these grand goal, grand plans, like I want to buy a company or whatever. It might not have happened. Mm-hmm. You have to fi- find a different path or another way of doing it. You know, it's like everybody has this folk, but is the FOMO fear of missing out or, 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 um, or you only live once YOLO <laughs> type of thing. And that's great. But you know, it's like you also have to plan because you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that's three, right? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So those are really good lessons to learn because I think leading by example, people like that. They see that as, as being authentic. Mm -hmm. You're an authentic person. You're not fake or you're pretending to be something you're not because people might not see it at first, but they eventually see right through. Yeah. Well, it goes back to what you were saying about culture. Mm -hmm. The the authenticity does come through. Um, Yeah. And you can't really teach that. That has to come yeah. from the core. You yeah. talked about, you mentioned your why just a, just a second ago. Um, mm-hmm. what, what is your why? Uh, I think my, my why is to teach and to grow. I, I just, I love the idea of growing something. And, you know, like I, I would like this company to be more well-known and to deliver awesome creative and teach people and be more of like uh industry leader like as far as teaching and um people come to us for like whoa look at look at that amazing solution they came up with you know like because mm-hmm. i just see that's where the world is going people like to learn they like to see the process they don't like to just see the pretty finish they want to see how it was made mm-hmm. so showing a lot of that your process and not being shy with it showing what was left on the cutting room floor you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Being more transparent, I think people like that. They see that as authentic, authenticity. All the shows you see on TV, right? How they made it, or or how they made a new recipe, um, mm-hmm. and being transparent, like Gordon Ramsay, for instance. Like they all have cookbooks, right? They don't hide how they made things. They're not holding their secrets in their, you know, to their chest. And they, I'm not going to teach you how to how I made this souffle or whatever it is. Because people, I respect that. They're not going to make it. They'll still go to your restaurant to see you make it, right? Because they want you to do it. They like the way you do it. And you're the expert and they come to you. You know, you don't go tell your doctor what's wrong with you. They, they diagnose, mm-hmm. right? They diagnose what, they ask you the right questions to figure out what is wrong with you. You can't go tell them what's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. You assume, you know, because you go, you lean on their expertise Mm-hmm. That's what I want to do. I want to become industry experts. And I think our niche and niche is niche is in toys and the toy space and just being industry experts in that and doing amazing creative and changing the way the world sees toys and, and where that industry is going. You know, as much as people were staying home during COVID, toy sales have gone up, you know, especially mm-hmm. board games and as kids still like to play with toys, you know, from a younger age, as much as they like tech. But also figuring out a way to integrate toys with tech, you know, with that's, that's yeah. I love that. I love that you want to show the iterative process and kind of yeah. show it's not just a pretty picture. Now a, a lot of you know a lot of effort went into making this pretty picture. Exactly. Uh, and let us show you how how that came about. I think people would value kind of knowing by the time you see this finished piece that you know. 16 iterations went into this, yeah, this last exactly. piece, which I think is interesting because sometimes when we're speaking to non-creatives uh, on, on the client side and we're estimating um, 
we're talking about budgets, it's sometimes the, the, the value in thinking is they sometimes don't see it. Right. Whereas, you know, you can't just sit and start drawing. There's a lot of thought and thinking and just creativity has to go into it before you can even take pen to pen, pencil, mm -hmm. or pen to paper. Right. Start, right. Or the computer. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think you have to earn that place at the table, right? You got the seat at the table of when they see you as an equal, like, you know, the C-suite or, or the big decision makers, the ones that handle the budget or, because you have to bring value and strategic thinking of what their company or what their brand can go. Not just here, look how cool I made this look, you know, that's going to last for a season, you know, the, and then what's the next thing? Like you have to have be kind of five, 10 steps ahead of trends, you know, and that takes be a trendsetter, not a trend follower. Mm -hmm. you know, I think there's value in that and co companies, as much as you're a little scared to be trendsetters sometimes because you could fail, right? Not every trend that you think is going to be a hot, hot is going to going to resonate. Yeah. So, um, and I think, like you're saying, like making sure they see the value in your thinking. You're, you know, because there's a million people that are good artists, mm -hmm. right? but they're most of them. A lot of them. I'm not saying most. A lot of creatives like to be told what to do. They don't want to like try to figure it out. They're just okay. Tell me what you want. What color do you want this? I can make it look pretty. Which is great. I mean, that's there's you'll have a good living doing that. But if you want to a seat at the table or move forward or in your career, um, be more of an expert, then you have to act like an expert. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not all on the execution, the, the right. strategy behind it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. What makes you curious uh, these days? How, like, where, when were you thinking about being creative? Where does that inspiration come from? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I love seeing, like, obviously, the the accessibility to other creatives is unlike ever in the history of the world, you know, with YouTube and Instagram and Behance, and you can see, look up any artist and what they've done and what they're currently doing, or um, which is awesome because you, you kind of see inspiration and, and all that. But also, I think what really gets, gets me thinking is how can we, as much as we're connected as a world, right, technologically, we're also very separated now. Mm -hmm. Like, even in this country, we're very divided. Like, like our thinking, like, blue, red, blah, 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 whatever your side is. How can we come back together and just and move humanity forward, right? With Use all this technology and all this knowledge that we have now and accessibility. And instead of pushing your agenda, how can we come back together and move humanity forward, right? Like, and come out of the ashes of this pandemic. And so that, that I've just been doing research on that. Like how can we pivot as a, as a, as humanity mm -hmm. country as, so not only that this is happening again, but sometimes a major change causes a revolution, like a, a revolution is literally means a major change, right? So it's how can we take this as an opportunity as a world, as a globe, as humanity, to change our ways, right? To be more connected, not just digitally, not just on devices, but have a common thought and, and empathy. Because we, I think the world lacks empathy. Mm -hmm. How do we? How can we all be more empathetic? <laughs> I mean, that's that's really important. I think, um, especially as a creative. I love that. 
The world does need more empathy. Yeah. Art, yeah. art is such a powerful medium mm-hmm. for that, for eliciting really? empathy, right? And eliciting yeah. connection. Yeah, I love that saying, be the change you want to be, right? Or become, don't, don't wait for change, become the change, right? Like, yeah. so I would love to do that and still keep this company going <laughs> you know, and successful, so... Well, I wish you all the best. You're definitely coming to this new uh, chapter in your life with the right mindset and really looking at the bigger picture than than just the task at hand. You're really looking at it very, very strategically and wanting to bring and foster growth for your team and for your clients. So yeah. I have no doubt that there's success. There's there's more success here for you. Where can people find you, Joe? Um, I'm on um, design.com. That's the, my company. Um, we do awesome stuff. So if, check it out. Uh, we, we're kind of all over social media. We just did Godzilla versus Kong, all the packaging for that. We've done Miraculous. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of big brands, Ninja Turtles, like I said, bar, just did some Barbie stuff. Um, so we're, we're all kind of all over. And myself, I'm on, you can find me uh just Joe, Joe.compos and Mikhail Design. We want to reach out. Um, I'm there as well. And Instagram, I'm uh, Joe.compos21 um, on Instagram. So if you want to reach out on there. There are 20 other Joe Compos's there. I know, right? It's crazy. I was like, well, I put 21 because it was a year. I was like, oh, that's an easy one to remember. So yeah, there's, it is a pretty common name. Also on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Okay. Um, I do share a lot on there. Um, I think it's a great new, it's a great platform with that's been growing like crazy, especially during the pandemic, as people really utilizing your network, especially you would know when you're as an artisan, right? Really utilizing that. Yeah. Where do, where do you see like the industry going yourself? Like as far as the way schools are taught and the way um, skills are passed, or the way we're learning. Yeah, what I'm seeing quite a bit, not so much in the traditional schools, um, but I'm seeing a lot of, uh, obviously, a lot of tools being done with Coursera or Udemy or lynda.com, um, mm-hmm. a lot that are supplementing additional schools, uh, general um, general assembly. You know, there's a lot of programs that way where they're um, not necessarily a tour for your curriculum, but more... Um, project focused to really hone in on where somebody's uh, interested. Obviously the two or four year programs really build that base and that foundation, kind of what you were talking about. They teach you about things that you're, you don't necessarily learn in a five week course. They do teach you about teamwork, collaboration, taking feedback, uh, like all of those things and just really becoming a full fledged um, creative what I am seeing quite a bit of is something you and I were talking about before we started recording was that the future of work has changed quite uh-huh. a bit. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, Artisan's been remote now for 11 years. So this new, this is a new for us, mm. but it's new for a lot of clients. Um, and it's really not new for creatives. Freelancers have worked from home right. forever, uh, but to, work from home, still be collaborative, still have kind of foster that team environment and keep culture going in the remote space. That's something that I see uh, people having to work a little bit harder towards. Um, yeah, yeah. And 
Absolutely. I mean, you guys pivoted a long time ago, way ahead of everybody else. Last, last reception. <laughs> All right. So yeah, you guys were pioneers in the pivoting of, of uh, remote working. So that's, that's awesome. But yeah, one thing, one of the last advice I would give like to young creatives or people that want to become creatives is, or be freelancers is to learn the business side of it. Like learn how to invoice, learn how to network, learn like, how to bid for jobs, um, how to learn how to save your money, you know, so when you don't have work, you're not taking any horrible job, you know, being responsible. And that's one thing I wish I would have learned in, in, in art school. Maybe they teach it now or they should be teaching it is the, the financial part of being a commercial artist, right? Mm-hmm. Of finance or just um, financial education, self, you know, personal finance. I would say learn personal finance. There's so much. I mean, I wish we would have YouTube when we were growing up, right? Like the access to knowledge is unbelievable. Like you can learn anything you want with a click of a couple words. Mm-hmm. You can kind of watch a video and figure it out. But but yeah, I would I would definitely work on that part. And of course, your creative skills. But obviously, you already have passion for that. You have to work on the things you don't have passion for. Mm-hmm. That will allow you to work on the things you have passion for instead of waiting till and then learning the hard way, <laughs> like many of us have. Right. So, yeah, yeah. definitely great advice. Um, just managing budgets and managing time. All of those things will come in handy for the client as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like great advice. Yep. You don't just bid exactly what you think it's going to cost. Go a little bit over because you might not have another job for two weeks or three weeks and, you know, bills got to get paid. So unfortunately that's, it's just part of being growing up and learning, but the earlier you learn that, learn that stuff, the better off you'll be. Yeah. Or just, just to be mindful of changes and iterations and change orders and things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't go over your budget or. Yeah. Great way more. Yeah. Cause a lot of clients will take advantage of if you're naive, it's just the way the world is. Right. Yeah. 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 As a freelancer, those are, waters you have to navigate and yeah. and one learns the tough way sometimes yeah. and also learning and, and not only that but the more money you have saved the the more selective you can be with your projects and your clients and not take on those jobs that you don't you know are not going to be fun or or help you grow you can take and wait for the right opportunity instead of being desperate for the wrong opportunity right yeah very very good points yeah. great lessons in here uh joe and um, I think that this is a you know, at a time that we're at now, and some people who aren't terribly busy, this is a good time to brush up on some of those non-creative skills on, yes. on the business skills. So, very, very good point. Absolutely, so, there's a million books out there, right? Like, yeah. just on on the creative, being a creative uh, professional. There's books just on that, or just finance it itself, or. But yes, I mean, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, this is my first podcast, so. <laughs> Hope I didn't ramble too much, but um, this is super fun and I hope to do more, you know, I just keep getting better at it. And if I need to be the face of my company, then I will be, you know, I want to, I, I definitely want to grow in that regard as well. And just become more natural and, and hopefully you guys took some learnings from this video and our podcast. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I think you had some great things to share. So thank you for allowing us to be the first the first ones to get your message out there <laughs> thank you thank you for the opportunity 
awesome job on your artisan podcast. I told you before, I'm like amazed that you're doing this and all your episodes have been great. And hope you keep it going and um, you. for years to come. Yeah. Years to and also, it's been super fun getting to get to know people on a different level and just you know, have a uninterrupted conversation. You know, a lot of the talent that I speak with, I don't necessarily know their Genesis story and kind of what, yeah. you know, where they came from and how they fell into creativity. So this is, this has really been a good opportunity to have those conversations. We all have a great story to tell, right? We just got to tell it. You know? Yeah, Everybody. exactly. We all have Interesting in our own ways. For yeah. sure. But for hopefully sure. we can meet again in person, you know, soon. I hope so. <laughs> again, yeah, that'd be great. Right? I hope so. um, that'd be great to see you again. Um, say hi to Jamie and best hi. of luck. Continue success. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Artisan Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Artisan Creative, a staffing and recruitment firm specializing in creative, marketing, and digital talent. You can find us online at artisancreative.com or via social channels at Artisan Creative. We look forward to connecting.